All right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up Psalm 41. Psalm 41. And as we look at Psalm 41, this psalm is probably unique in this aspect because really it is dealing with betrayal, dealing with betrayal. And everyone will face betrayal at some point in their life. And I'm often reminded, uh, as you look at the idea of betrayal and you look at, at hurt that it causes, and, and I think about this, um, this always sticks in my mind that Jesus Christ served with Judas Iscariot. And, and the disciples themselves, they wrote in the Bible, they said uh, that he was a thief. They, they pretty much knew. Now, maybe they knew that after the fact, uh, but I think there were telltale signs. And I'm sure of this, that Jesus would have read those signs at the minimal and, uh, and known that Judas was going to betray him. And, uh, and yet Jesus was always kind to him. And Jesus... Matter of fact, in the garden, this always stands out to me, uh, Jesus Christ called Judas Iscariot, he said, friend. And, uh, and so uh, sometimes when we are betrayed, sometimes when we deal with betrayal, uh, it can be very difficult and, and we want to lash out. And uh, remember that Jesus is our perfect example. And so Psalm 41 really deals with this. By the way, Psalm 41 is the close of book one of Psalms. The Hebrews divide uh, the Psalms into five different books. It's one chapters 1 through 41, chapter 42 through 40, 72, and 73 through 89, and 90 through 106, and 107 all the way through the end. You'd think they'd make it nice clean breaks, but they did not. And so uh, that is the way it's divided. And, uh, and, and I can give that to you later if you want, you're really interested, but I'll tell you how you can find it, and uh, that way you can know that as well. But we'll look at that a little bit later. But the Psalms are filled with emotion both positive emotion, expressing joyful uh, praise to the Lord, and as well as frustration, discouragement, and sadness uh, are all themes that are clearly given throughout the Psalms. God created emotion, and the psalmist many times expresses his emotion and feelings in the Psalms. If feelings are left uncontrolled, they can uh, absolutely lead us to a wrong area very quickly. And uh, frustration... Uh, or hurt, or disappointment, if left unchecked, will develop into a sour spirit. Anger, if left unchecked, uh, can develop into rage. Discouragement, if it's left unchecked, can develop into uh, depression. And uh, all of these things are, are encompassed in the Psalms, and even happiness, really, if it's left unchecked. Uh, it can develop into some false reality and, and just really living in a, uh, a non-real world. And so many of the Psalms help us uh, by, by that. And in many of the Psalms you see uh, are given view into the raw human emotion within the heart of the psalmist. However, it is always tempered with the control of the Holy Spirit and the author of the book. And that's what I like about the Psalms, is that, uh, yes, they do show you the feelings that are involved there, but then they always bring you back to the Lord, and they always show you how to keep those things in check with God. And, uh, and so that's very important as we look at these things. Psalm chapter 41 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall and 
and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be in your house on the middle of the week. And God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would help us uh, as we look into the psalm this evening to uh, see what you would have for us. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart. I pray that you would encourage us, strengthen us, Father, and we'll thank you for that. And God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we look at this, the psalm starts out perhaps a little different than many of the other psalms. And, uh, and he starts out really with some of the promises of God. And uh, as we go through this, when we get to the next uh, section, you'll understand this a little bit better. But he deals with this very much so right here. Notice in the very first verse, he says, Blessed is the man that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. And we have really the promises of God. These first three verses are loaded with all kinds of things that God says that He's going to do. But the very first condition that He really puts on all of it is that of uh, having compassion on the poor. He says, blessed is he that considereth the poor. And uh, I thought that was very odd that it was kind of uh, started out that way. And he says, hey, our, our focus and our attention is to be turned to the poor. Uh, psalm chapter 10 mentions the poor more than any other psalm in the Bible. Uh, matter of fact, it mentions it quite frequently. And, uh, and it, it says this in Psalm 10 and verse number 2, The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. And it talks about how the wicked uh, really take advantage of poor people and abuse them or try and take what they have. And, uh, and, and certainly, uh, that is not what God wants us to do, obviously. It says, blessed is he that considereth the poor. Not considers them as a target, all right? Uh, not considers them as somebody to uh, easily be manipulated or taken advantage of. And so he's saying this, that we ought to be aware of the poor and that we ought to consider their plight. Uh, what are some of the causes uh, of poor. You know, some people are poor uh, in substance. We're thinking primarily of things, of money and, and things like that. Uh, the first thing I thought of when I think of those who are poor, I think of death. You know, you think of uh, maybe a widow, you think of orphans that maybe their father died and left them and they didn't have any uh, anybody to provide for them. Uh, I think of economic hardship. Uh, sometimes hard times fall on an area, uh, maybe the, the place of employment's shut down and it becomes a difficulty. Maybe in farmer's terms, uh, a famine would come by and, and the crops would not produce and that would cause poverty. That would call, cause people to be poor. As I was looking up poor in the Bible, this one popped up on my radar and you would have thought I would have thought of this, but I did not, was laziness. Well, that'll cause poorness as well. Uh, as we're just thinking about some of these things that causes poverty, causes poorness. Uh, another thing I did think of is drugs and alcohol. Boy, a lot of people, uh, even the Bible talks about that in the book of Proverbs and, and how alcohol and uh, even today drugs and all of that will, will just drive somebody into complete poverty. 
And uh, as we're thinking about those causes, what are the results of some of that? Uh, as we just think about the poor, uh, people who don't have many things, the first thing is, you know, this is true. People are not rushing to poor people to befriend them. That, that just doesn't happen. Is that, I mean, uh, you, you just, you know, usually if you see somebody and you know they're poor, uh, a lot of people, like in the Bible, in the, in the illustration, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, man, they, they cross on the other side of the street. They're like, man, you know, he smells or, uh, or this or that, and they try to get away from poor people. So they're undesirable. Many times they're uneducated. Uh, because they, they're lacking advantage. They don't have uh, maybe the finances. Maybe they have to go off and work and they don't have time to go to school or, or things like that. But all of that plays into it. But all I'm saying is this, that the Bible says, Blessed is he that considereth the poor. Listen, not everyone's poor because of their own faults or because of their own uh, actions. Some people no doubt are. And, uh, and the Bible says, blessed is he that considereth the poor. So uh, taking and helping and doing something and considering their plight uh, can be a help. Not just poor in substance, but I thought of this as well. What about poor in spirit? Well, there's a lot of people that are bankrupt spiritually in America. And, uh, and we need to consider that as well. And, uh, and so we're thinking about this idea of having compassion on the poor. It's mentioned throughout the Bible many times uh, that, hey, we ought to pay attention. Matter of fact, as I looked up the word poor, I was amazed at how many laws in the Old Testament pertain to the poor uh, and how God had provided for them. And so I'm just saying that God here puts a stipulation and He says, hey, blessed is he that considereth the poor. Then he goes on, he says, the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. These next couple of verses, not only are we to have compassion on the poor, but I want us to consider God's work. In verse number one, he says, the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. And understand this, that trouble is going to come in all of our lives. Uh, it's certain. I've often heard it preached and heard it said that uh, either you are in the midst of a storm or you just got through a storm, or if not, then you're probably getting ready to go through a storm. Uh, and that is, that's kind of, Job summed it up by, uh, the man's, man is but a few days and full of trouble. That's kind of what he said. And, and that's really the idea that, hey, we're going to go through problems. We're going to go through difficulties and we need the deliverance of God. And so we see considering God's work that he delivers us. Uh, look at verse number two. It says, the Lord will preserve him. And I'm glad that God will not only deliver us, but also preserve and help sustain during the storm and during the difficulties and lead us through some of these things. Look at verse number two as well. He says, um, and keep him alive and he shall be blessed upon the earth. I found that interesting uh, because a lot of times we look at blessings and we think, well, that's in the in heaven. And you know what? We know we're going to be blessed in heaven. We know there's no more pain. We know there's no more suffering. We know that, hey, there's great blessings and great uh, riches at the very end of the road. But the Bible tells us, hey, that we can be blessed here on this earth as well. And that doesn't always mean just financial. So many times we read, uh, we, almost, we almost do an in-service to the Bible. And every time we see the word blessed, we just cross it off and put a dollar sign above it. 
That's not what God means. Uh, blessings do not have to be financial. They can be financial, but they can just be, uh, hey, the Lord just gives you peace. Uh, the Lord just gives you uh, comfort. The Lord just does something for you that may not be uh, a, a blessing that is financial or substantial, but rather something that is just, maybe it's protection uh, from something that you don't even know that you missed. And God says, you know what, not today, I'm just going to hope. He's blessed today. We'll just let him go. And, uh, and the Bible does say, on this earth. And so we are blessed on this earth. Um, not only that, but notice this in verse number 3. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thank God for that. Uh, because really, uh, we all are going to, at some point, be on the bed of languishing. What is that? Well, in pain uh, or sickness or uh, not doing well. And uh, man, if there's... Uh, I, I, I hate being sick, but even worse than being sick is being stuck on bed being sick. Uh, man, when you're just feeling so miserable that you can't get up and you can't sleep and you're just laying there, you're languishing, okay, uh, in pain or whatever the problem is. And, and the Bible says that God will give us strength uh, and, and he'll help us in the bed of languishing. Uh, that will make all his bed in his sickness. And so God blesses in many ways. And, uh, and really, when we consider all the works of God in our lives, I tell you what, what a blessing it is to be saved. What a blessing it is to be a Christian. What a blessing it is to know that, hey, God will help us and God will watch out for us. And so we, have, we ought to have compassion on the poor. Uh, and then we consider God's work as we look at the promises of God, look at all those things that God will do for us. And uh, Christians ought to be compassionate on the poor. So we see that in verse 1 through 3. Notice the personal attacks. We'll skip verse 4. We'll come back to it. But look in verse number 5. He says this. He says, Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? Verse number 6. And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. Verse 7. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease say they cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Verse 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Notice in these verses 5 through 9, we see these personal attacks that are lodged against David. David um, is the psalmist here, and he wrote most of the psalms. I believe all the psalms are attributed to David, and the ones that are not attributed in, in 1 through 41 at least, uh, the ones that are not attributed to David are, are written very much in his style. And so they've put all those in book one, and book one is almost exclusively David. And so we see here that as he's, he's explaining these, these are personal attacks that have come against him. And uh, David was well acquainted with people that would betray him and stab him in the back. I mean, you think of the times that, uh, that he really was betrayed. 
Uh, and the most prominent time that comes to mind is when his own son, Absalom, uh, tried to turn the kingdom against him and take the kingdom out from under him. And so you could see that David would be well acquainted. Perhaps this psalm would fit in that time. We don't know exactly. Uh, but notice these things as we see these personal attacks. The first one that you notice there in verse number 5 is criticism. He says, Mine enemies speak evil of me. And I'm taking this kind of as a quote of his enemies. When shall he die and his name perish? Listen, we ought to be careful of speaking evil of others. I just looked this up in the Bible and notice all these verses. You can jot these down. Uh, Titus chapter 3 and verse number 1 and 2. The Bible says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to eat, speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. James 4.11 says, uh, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Second, or 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, we notice here, David said, mine enemies speak evil of me. In other words, hey, they, uh, they turn around and, and they're saying all kinds of uh, slanderous things about David. And, and they were criticizing him. And uh, they'd go into him and then they'd turn around and leave and, and talk bad of David wherever they went. And criticism often goes uh, with the, the personal attacks that take place. And, and so we notice that. By the way... If you look close enough at anybody, you can find something wrong with them. Uh, it's not hard to find something that's wrong with people. Uh, and notice, they're really their intent in verse number 5 is they wanted him gone. Uh, when shall he die and his name perish? They just couldn't stand him. They didn't like his presence. They didn't like uh, even to hear his name. And, and, and they would just cut him down and they would speak evil of him. Not only the criticism... But notice the counterfeit in verse number 6. The Bible says, And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity, his heart gathereth iniquity to itself, when he goeth abroad, he telleth it. In other words, he comes in and, and he acts like he cares about you and, and he talks and, and the Bible says it's all vanity and, and he's there to see you and he's there to talk to you. And, and, uh, but when he leaves, boy, it's a whole different story. And things change. Spurgeon wrote it this way. He said, When the fox calls on the sick lamb, his words are soft, but he licks his lips in hope of the carcass. I thought he had a good way of wording that. And boy, there's a lot of truth to that. And so not just criticism, but also counterfeit, and, and that he would draw close and, and pretend to be a friend, but when he left, he certainly was not, and, and he would spread uh, slander about David and would leave. And so we see his, these personal attacks of criticism, counterfeit. Not only that, but notice in verse 7 and 8, All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. And evil disease say they cleave fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Not only do we see the criticism, the counterfeit, and the, but notice this, the company. 
It's almost like a pack of wolves. I mean, they, they gather together. Uh, and notice this, because the Bible says there in verse number 7, uh, all that hate me whisper together against me. They're, they're kind of off in a corner, and they're, they're whispering, and they're talking, and they're kind of looking around and seeing, is anybody coming? And they don't want people to know what they're talking about. And there's a company that is gathered together like a, a pack of wolves that are, are trying to uh, go against David. And so these are very personal assaults that are taking place against David. Not only that, but notice in verse number 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Not just the criticism, the counterfeit, and the company, but also notice the companions that were gathered. Hey, David's friends. Listen, those who are, are closest to you can hurt you the most, but it doesn't mean you should always close yourself off from the world. I go back to our illustration of Jesus Christ who worked with Judas Iscariot for those three and a half years and, and, uh, and notice that, that it was there. I mean, uh, what a difficult thing to go through. And David experienced the same thing of, of even close friends. And listen, if you've been alive for any time, you will find that sometimes your friends will hurt you the most. David said that. He said, my friend, my mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And we've all had that happen at some point in our life. We find that these personal attacks, boy, that can be painful. Boy, that hurts when that takes place. And I said the first part we wouldn't probably really understand until we got to the second part. And I noticed this, that he opened up what? Considering the poor. Listen, in your worst problems and in your worst difficulties, you can note this, there are always people that are worse off than you. And he started off with the poor. Notice that. He started off with the promises of God. And so there's always two things you can look at. One, you can always find somebody that's worse off than you and you can have compassion on them and you can say, man, that poor guy is going through all those difficulties and stop worrying about your personal attacks that are taking a place and your personal pain. And then the second thing is you can always focus on the promises of God. That, hey, He's going to deliver you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you. He's going to protect you. He's going to be there for you. And He's going to guide you through those things. And so the psalmist opens up with his focus, turned to the promises of God and the needy men that are around him, and says, hey, uh, th these are things that are out there, before he goes ahead and, and tells us all of his own problems that he's having. But there were certainly personal attacks that were taking place and David certainly felt those, and we are emotional people, and, and listen, you will be hurt. It's just part of life. It takes place, and it's not enjoyable, and I'm not advocating that you should enjoy it, but I'm saying it is just a fact of life, and David very much so explained that. Let's go back to verse number 4, because right after verse 3, he starts off on his prayer, and then he, and then he stops short there. In verse number 4, he says, uh, I said, Lord, be merciful unto to me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Notice in verse number four, David starts out in a prayer before he goes, uh, before he goes into all of the personal attacks that take place. He starts off in a prayer to God saying, God, 
but merciful to me. I've been wrong. I've sinned against you. And I recognize that. And I notice that, listen, in our lives, uh, we need to to, uh, recognize our sins against God. We can become so arrogant thinking that we're so good and it's good for us to be reminded of our own faults and to ask God for mercy and say, well, I'm not better than anybody else. God, I, I need your mercy. I need your strength. I need your deliverance. And so he starts out in verse 4, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. And he starts his prayer in verse number 4. And then to God, he lists all these personal attacks that we see. How he was criticized and how the counterfeit came and the company and and then his companion uh, came against him and he lists all of those things. Then notice in verse number um, 10, as he picks up his prayer again, he says, but thou... O Lord, be merciful unto me and raise me up that I may requite them. By this I know that thou favorest me because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. He starts out in verse 4 asking for that mercy and realizing his own uh, sin against God and asking, hey God, uh, be merciful unto me as a sinner and, and God help me in my plight. But then notice there in verse number Uh, Between 10 and 11, really, uh, he says, Raise me up that I may requite them. By this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And so he starts off by asking for mercy and forgiveness because of his sin. But then the next thing he says, Hey, God, raise me up. And you know what he's asking? He's asking for victory. He's not just saying, God, get me through this problem. Sometimes I think as Christians, we just pray, God, get me through this. No, David didn't want to just get through this. David was saying, hey, raise me up, make me victorious. Don't let my enemies triumph over top of me. And sometimes we're, we're so conservative with our prayers and we're so conservative with the things that we say and that we're just, you know, God, just get me through this. No, no, no. God, give me victory over this. Help me to overcome. Help me to be victorious in this area of my life where the enemies are coming against me. And God, I don't want to just make it to the other side. I want to come out on top as a winner. Listen, uh, boy, what a great verse as we, as we look at some of these. The Bible says in Romans 8.37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Listen, we can ask for victory. We can ask to overcome. Uh, We can ask to uh, come out on the other side ahead. Uh, The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which uh, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior, uh, Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. Listen, God wants us to uh, be victorious in the end, not just make it through. And David here, he's saying, hey, raise me up that my enemies won't triumph over top of me, but that I would come out victorious in all of this. So he asks for mercy. He asks for victory. Notice this in verse number 12. He says this, and as for me, 
Thou upholdest me in mine integrity and settest me before thy face forever. Not only does he ask for mercy and he asks for victory, but he asks to stay right. He's saying, God, uphold me in mine integrity. Keep me from doing wrong. Help me to do what is right. Help me to live and walk with you. Help me to stay right and to live right and to be victorious and to have your mercy. And all of these things is what David is asking for of God. And so we see his prayer to God. He asks mercy. He asks asks victory. He asks to stay right. Verse number 13, we notice that he closes blessing the Lord. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Then he says, Amen and Amen. And so listen, he closes out the book, the first book of Psalms, Psalms 1 through 41. I found this interesting and fascinating, and all five of the divisions of Psalms all end in Amen. And that's the only time they're used in the book of Psalms. You won't find them anywhere else. They're at the close, so you want to know where the, the, the books end? Just look up the word Amen in the book of Psalms, and chapter 41 is the close of one book, and it ends in Amen. Uh, then you go to, uh, I think, whatever the next chapter was. I got it written down here, but uh, uh, you just look for that next Amen. It's in chapter 72, and you'll find, oh, Amen, that's the close of a book. And, uh, and so everywhere that Amen is mentioned in the book of Psalms, you'll note that that is a closing uh, of the five books. And so uh, one of the five books. And so uh, that'll help you find those and, and locate them and know where they're at. Some Bibles denote book one, book two, close of book three or whatever. Uh, and many of them do not. But uh, if yours does not, you just look for the Amen in Psalms and you'll know hey, that's a closing of that book. And so we see David's uh, David's, um, well, we see the promises of God as God promises to take care of us and, and supply our needs. We see the personal attacks on David that he felt, and then we see the prayer to God as he asks for mercy, victory, and to stay right. And then he blesses the Lord. What a great psalm as we think about dealing with betrayal. Listen, we'll all be betrayed at some point in our life. It happens part of life. You can't get away from it. And, uh, but knowing that, hey, you're not the only one to go through it. Knowing, hey, mark down Psalm 41. You can go there and read it and consider the poor and consider the promises of God and, and then pray and ask God to help you. And listen, we find that all laid out in Psalm 41 for us. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for the life of David, really. The psalms that he wrote, the many, many psalms. God, that give us a window into his heart of feelings, and what he was going through. God, thank you that there's example after example after example in the Bible of difficult, hard things that people have gone through that we can look to their life. God, we can be encouraged by it. We can be strengthened by it. God, thank you for David constantly turning to you in every difficulty and every hardship and focusing his eyes on you.
God, we find these time and time again written in the Psalms, and I thank you for them. God, I pray that you'd encourage us, help us, strengthen us as we go through these. And Father, we'll thank you for that. God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen.